0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 144 of the podcast. With me today, uh, my frequent uh, co-host, Bill Lack.
1: How are you today, Bill? Fresh back off the the Milwaukee tour.
0: The Milwaukee tour. Now, uh, so you were just up in Milwaukee when the Reds were there, and uh, I've been to Milwaukee just once, but did you find the town as delightful as I found it?
1: Uh, we had a great time. I, it was a it was a last minute opportunity that my wife and I had to go up with a on a Rosie Reds trip. Um, some friends of friends canceled last minute and couldn't. We're looking for somebody to take their seat, their tickets, and so we went up on that. And um, I, I'll say this: the the, the fans and the, everybody that we dealt with at the ballpark were fabulous. I have never gone, and I've been to a number of visiting ballparks. I've been to Yankees the old Yankee Stadium in Shea and Fenway and Wrigley, blah, blah, blah. I've never been anywhere where where people were so friendly, so nice, so went out of their way to make sure that she had a nice time. Uh, my hats in fact I wrote a letter to the editor in the Milwaukee for the Milwaukee. I don't know if it got published, but to the Milwaukee paper this week, uh, thanking the people there for being so hospitable. It was it was really, really a nice time.
0: Yeah, the, the one time i've been to uh, milwaukee I, I was blown away it's an interesting city and uh and and while you were there the brewers did their part as well to make you uh feel at home by letting the reds beat
1: up on them a little bit well we won reds won both games that we were there friday and saturday nights we were on our way back when when uh, uh cody reed decided to uh <laughs> be cody reed at least at this point in his major league career right on sunday um I mean, we. we it, I can't say enough about it. It, it went so far as uh, Friday night. It, it, you know, we were kind of walking around checking out the ballpark, and we started talking to this police officer. There were six of us that were together that were kind of traveling together, and we, we were just talking back and forth and talking to him about the city and the ballpark and and you know And he reached into his wallet and pulled out six passes to their through their stadium club and gave them to us to use the next night. <laughs> really. <laughs> Yeah, so we watched most of Saturday night's game up in the Stadium Club in Milwaukee. It was it, it was a lot of fun. It was just a really nice a nice opportunity. Interesting ballpark. Um, we got up there Friday night. It was really hot and humid, and it was raining, and and the roof was closed, and it was like an oven in there Friday night. I mean, it was unbelievably hot. No breeze, you know. And and parts of the stadium are open even when the roof's closed, so it's not like a dome where they can. Control the environment. It was just blue blazes hot. I mean, sweat rolling off of you. Now Saturday night, the um, the roof was open, and it was a lot nicer uh, on Saturday night. Uh, interesting thing to me, you know, as opposed to Cincinnati in in, in Milwaukee, they tailgate before games. That was the craziest Friday, thing. yeah. Even Friday night and the rain, folks were out there tailgating. God bless them. I mean, they they, they propose. I mean, they they promote. Uh, tailgating so much there are big concrete uh, things in the parking lot that says for dumping your hot coals.
0: <laughs> Isn't that crazy? They,
1: there's, there's a number of them in the parking lot. Um, I really, really like their stadium inside the bowl. Uh, the outside the concourse area to me seems a little more crowded than what we're used to here in Cincinnati. I I, don't, I didn't think they had the the number of food choices that we have. Um my wife liked it because they only had Miller beer, which is, which is hard to find in the most major league ballparks. Um, was, was, we were privileged enough. Uh, Chris Welsh invited Linda and I up to the, to, to, the, uh, booth Friday night during the game. So we got to go up and say hello to Chris and met Tom Brenneman, who was very kind. Uh, it was a fun trip and went in two games and, uh, which brings my season record at the ballpark to four and zero. Which be,
0: so, which begs the question: When are the Reds going to spring to uh, pay for you to come to every game?
1: Well, my, my it's funny my friends my buddies and I that I grew up with when we used to go a lot in the in the mid seventies and I mean I, I we used to go 25, 30 games you know a year when we were teenagers and Perez used to kill the ball when we were there and we that's what we we used to say Perez ought to spring for us to have season tickets because <laughs> he hit so well when we were there right. Uh, but it was it was a very nice trip, a uh, very fun ballpark, very nice people, and the Reds won the two we got to see.
0: That's good. You know, you mentioned the the tailgating, and a few years ago when the Reds were in the, the midst of their little window, the, they were winning uh, division championships. And, and, you know, the Brewers were pretty good there for part of that time as well, and I, uh, won a, at least one division championship. And so I was up, at, uh, I was at a game uh, that the Reds were playing the Brewers at Great American Ballpark. And there were these Milwaukee fans parked next to us, and they were tailgating before the game at Great American Ballpark. And I just thought it was the oddest thing. And and they were talking. uh, We just stopped for just a moment and and spoke with them about how surprised they were that nobody else was tailgating. I don't think they understood that that wasn't something that uh, they were sort of seemed to me like sort of they were young younger guys, sort of new Brewers fans. What it seemed like, And, and I don't think they understood. Really, Milwaukee's unique in that. I don't know if it's the Packers' culture or what, but uh, the only other, only other place, I, and I've been to a lot of ball games at a lot of different parks. The only other place I've seen tailgating was at a, a Southeastern Conference a college baseball game down in uh, uh, Columbia, South Carolina, um, before a game with Mississippi State. They were tailgating. It was the craziest atmosphere I'd ever seen before a game. They take their SEC baseball seriously down there, but um, it's really a you know in some ways a devoted fan base you got to have some respect for them uh, was a pretty good crowd there the, the night you were there
1: saturday night had a good crowd friday night not so much but the packers were playing friday night oh right 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 um which is you know i, I i'm not sure how far it is from milwaukee green but i think it's an hour and a half two hours I, i'm not sure so i don't know if it's people were going up to watch the packers or were staying home to watch the packers you know because it was on national television i believe or at least on local television yeah because they had it on. Because it had. They had, it had it on at the stadium. They were they were playing the powerhouse Cleveland Browns. Oh, nice. Yeah, the Browns. I think at one point I remember seeing the score was five to two. <laughs> as the Browns or, On the, one of my <laughs> trips to the beer stand, I did notice that the, uh, the score was five to two. Oh, that's funny.
0: Well, we've you know we've people have downloaded this podcast and, and we've start, we've started we've started out started out very kindly about me. There's actually a myth behind that madness because as of yesterday. Your Cincinnati Reds passed the Milwaukee Brewers in the standings. The Reds, for the first time since the beginning of the season, since the first series of the year, really, the Reds are no longer in last place in the National League Central. Uh, Just can you feel the excitement, Bill Lack?
1: I'm just loving it. I'll tell you what, the the Reds are playing well. I mean, you can't, you know, you can joke and laugh and we can kid about it all we want, but they're playing pretty good baseball right now.
0: Genuinely good baseball. They are, and, and, you know, uh, the point that we I think we've made before is that here in the second half, even when they're losing, they're entertaining games. They're tight. They're you know sometimes the Ollendorf will happen and uh, he'll vomit all over a game. But other than that, you know they're playing good baseball. They won five in a row. They are uh, 21 and 12. Reds are 21 and 12 since the All Star break. That's good baseball. Uh, that is good baseball and and in any league. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, if, man, if they'd just done that all year, they'd be a hundred win team instead of talking about hundred losses. Um, they uh, what what I found to be interesting that, that sort of surprised me a little bit is as they beat yesterday they beat the, the Dodgers again beat they beat them badly twice we're recording this on Sunday and we will be posted later today but the Reds after that win yesterday now have a winning record at home a winning record at Great American Ballpark which is you know when you think about a team that's still 16 games under shows how bad they have played on the road but uh, you know that's that's a pretty interesting data point in a strange strange year this year is becoming stranger by the
1: moment. Yeah, they're they're playing better baseball right now than I, than I thought they'd be able to play all year, and to do it after trading Jay Bruce and 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 blah blah blah, uh, and and they're also battling some injuries right now. Uh, Cozart hasn't been in the last few days. Uh, Duvall just got back in the lineup yesterday. Uh, Shebler is struggling in right field, uh, and yet they're continuing to compete. Uh, you know, I, say what you want to say and. And you know, being a guy that grew up with the Reds-Dodgers rivalry, anytime you thump the Dodgers two days in a row, that's that's a good week. <laughs>
0: yeah, there there was there was a time when that was uh, that would have been cause for a big time celebration.
1: Uh, Absolutely. Well, I I, I, can t- I I can tell you a story. In 1976, I saw Elton John in concert in Cincinnati right before I went in the Navy, and he came out and wearing originally wearing a, a Dodgers hat, and he got booed off the stage. <laughs>
0: awesome that's <laughs> awesome i hadn't heard that story um you know the reds are I'm, I'm just gonna say it bill they're only 12 games out of the second wild card spot yeah uh-huh <laughs> i found interesting yeah they're not gonna win the wild card I'm, don't don't get excited about that uh I,
1: I did, listen i did I did, read, I did read a quote i think i read a quote yesterday where price said you know if we fill in a hole here or there you know we could be competitive and, and it's hard to argue with him as well as they're playing right now. I mean, I think they got more than a hole here or there, but, you know, you wonder, you know, the, the pitching is playing, you know, the pitching's doing very well, even though there, there are still some big holes in the bullpen. Uh, you get past the, first, the, the, the the guys you know you can count on and you don't know, you know, and it's a crapshoot. Uh, and, and we saw that up in Milwaukee. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, but the the point that I guess I would make is, yes, there are big time holes still in the, in the bullpen. But you've got Lorenzen, you've got um, who's a good story not what to talk about. You've got Iglesias, and you know Singrani is uh, f- fairly dependable out there. After that, it's a, it really is a it's Jumbo Diaz and Ross Ellendorf. and the.
1: And and Diaz has played pitch fairly well. If I, I mean I, I'm not looking at the numbers, but I, the last time I looked at him. Them- he had pitched pretty well since coming back up this time.
0: He has. He has. He's not been bad. He's had a couple of sort of blows. But, you know, in the year, he's got a three-point – and, again, we're talking ERA over 25 innings, but 3.2 ERA.
1: Um, I think the biggest problem with Jumbo is he works so slow. Oh, my Lord.
0: Well, you've seen his size. I'm not sure he's capable of working a whole lot faster.
1: <laughs> uh, you know – you're Calling him Jumbo is not one of those things. call him a tall guy, shorty. Right. Yeah. Not the same thing.
0: No, they should have called him Tiny. <laughs> yeah, there
1: you go. Tiny did.
0: <laughs> but you know, talking about plugging a hole here or there. But the way I look at it is on the pitching pitching side of it. Other than some spots in the bullpen, uh, you, you're some of the guys that are contributing right now. Are the guys that the Reds expect to be contributing over the next few years? So it's not like we've got a, you know a bunch of guys that aren't going to be around. Other than Homer Bailey, that most of them are young. And, uh, and there's a bunch of other options that are going to filter in through that pitching. So I feel really good about the pitching side of it. Absolutely. Uh, uh, offensively, you know, the Reds do have some spots to fill, but Jesse Winker is, uh, is going to be up probably in September, and I imagine he'll be up to stay in September. Uh, high on base guy. Uh, you got Jose Peraza came up to, last night to fill in for Zach Cozart. And, you know, he went, uh, I think he had three hits, uh, including a home run uh looked really good he's a guy that uh whenever the reds part ways with cozart he's probably your your first guy at shortstop um so it's it's not like the reds have to go out and get a bunch of guys to come and and fill in i guess is what i'm saying Uh, you know jason linden one of our guys at at red leg nation he's said a couple times he thinks the reds can legitimately be over 500 and come in second place behind the cubs next year um and you see them playing like they're playing now, and you don't want to get too excited over what essentially amounts to a you know month and a half, a little less than a month and a half of play. But you also see some of the young guys coming around. You see uh, Joey Votto being Joey Votto, and you start to you can squint a little bit and see the team that they're going to have next year and the year after. And I don't expect them to win any division championships in the next two years, but I you know I don't know if they can't be 500 next year. And I, maybe, I'm maybe
1: I'm crazy. I, I hope you're right. I, I, I think a lot depends on, well, the, for, first thing, Peraza. Now, the paper this morning said, inquiry this morning said that Peraza is coming up and he's going to play. Now, they didn't say any more of that about what that means, but you wonder whether it means, you know, if Kozark gets healthy, whether that means he's going to be taking some time, playing time away from Phillips, you know, whether they're going to be moving him around, might play some outfield if, 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 uh, Shoebler continues to struggle. Who knows? But if they're going to have that kid up here, he needs to play. And uh, you and I have both talked about where, what, how we think that should be handled—the Brandon Phillips situation. Um, but you know, I think you know, I think yeah, you'd be right. I think you could squint and see him finishing above 500 next year. I don't know about second because the Cardinals are not going to stand pat. We we all know that they're going to be very difficult to overcome. Next year, I think. Um, but you know, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing. You know, they're they're they they're getting out there. They're hustling. They're playing good ball. They're you know, uh, I, you know, there, there's reason for optimism. You know, and, and if they continue to move in the direction of of, of rebuilding this team, and, and you know, we question whether they've been all in on that. Maybe they they maybe I hope they have a plan, and it's just more incremental than we see you know if they can finish above 500 next year i think you know we're headed in the right direction
0: well i'm not going to bet the ranch on that happening and uh, and there are criticisms to be made uh, about this rebuild as we've done and there and i think you can make an argument that they do have a plan none of us really know from the outside exactly uh, precisely what the plan is but uh, you know perasa does have to play uh, if he's up they brought him up for a month well, more than a month, couple months, I think, early in the season, and he basically he played three days a week and sat the bench the rest of the time, and that's just not good for his. Kid's 22 years old, needs to play. Um, when he's played with the Reds, I've been awfully impressed with him. Uh, the Reds are just going to have to figure out, and it's probably not going to happen until the offseason. Uh, they're going to have to figure out what's going on with Phillips and Cozart up the middle. Uh, I had There was some hope that Cozart would get traded uh, before the non-waiver deadline, or excuse me, before the waiver deadline at the end of August, but... You know the the problems he's experienced with his knee are basically soreness and uh, complicate not complications, but it's a result of his knee injury from last year. And yeah, and he's also having some Achilles
1: issues also, and you know which, whether that's tied into the knee or just happens to be happening at the same time, who knows?
0: Uh, I'd be surprised if some team wants to uh, wants to take on that ch- take that chance for the rest of the season of, of him being able to play because he's now missed I think uh, I think four three four games in a row so. And Peraz is up here to play for him. Of course, they're not going to put him on the disabled list because the Reds don't do that.
1: Um, what do you? Co- what is that? Just to see. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: How many times have we seen the guy be out for twelve games or something, and the Reds just play shorthanded during all yeah. that time?
1: So, I, I, you know, I, I'd be willing to bet the Reds play shorthanded more than any team in Major League Baseball.
0: Uh, for three straight days uh, this week, they played with a two-man bench because they wanted because they keep so many relief pitchers. And uh, they only have four guys on the bench anyway, and two of them, Duvall and, and Phillips, were hurt. So, excuse me, Duvall and Kozart. Um, Duvall came, comes back uh, last night, finally, big home run in his first on the first pitch he saw, and the Reds win. Now, let me ask your thoughts about this. The Reds are what nine games uh, above 500 in the second half. Let's say they play 500 baseball or somewhere thereabouts, and in the second half, you look up and the Reds are uh, have been gone, you know. Eight ten games over 500 in the second half. After just the miserable first half with the injuries and the uh, you know not having Homer and not having DiScalvani for most of it, uh, you look up and the Reds have a second half record around ten games over 500. Do you bring Brian Price back?
1: You no, know, we we talked about this last time too. Uh, I I don't see any reason, especially if they're if they're competing, if they're playing good baseball, you know, if, if they're not. Making stupid mental errors that you know they drive all of us crazy. I don't see any reason not to, though. You know, I, I think they've got two guys in the wings that they that they think could could manage this team. Um, the only reason I could say that they would they would fire Price. Assume, let's assume what you you know the, the, the points that you make that they play pretty good baseball in the second half. Uh, the only reason I think they let him go and don't give me. And they might, and I'm not sure it'll be a year. It might be two years again. Would be to try to because they're worried about selling tickets. But you know, you you know, you could use the the fact that they played much better in the second half when they got over their huge injuries that they had in the first half, and they played much better. You know, and they could sell price that way. Um,
0: yeah, you can you can argue that one both ways. We're hey, we're giving a new fresh start. Come buy tickets, or hey, look, this team is young, and Price has got them in the right direction. Uh, buy tickets. So I guess you could argue either either side of that.
1: Yeah, and, and and let's be honest. You know, if they bring in somebody else, and let's us, the, the two names that I always think of right now are Riggleman and the Shields. Uh, neither one of those guys are going to sell tickets. There's only one name that's ever been associated with this manager's job that would sell tickets, and I don't think he takes on a team that's going to lose eighty, eighty-five ball games. You're right, Barry Larkin. Barry Larkin, yeah. And, and to be fair to Barry and to be fair to Reds fans, we don't know have any idea what kind of manager Barry Larkin would be.
0: And I've said before that my big worry is that Barry Larkin takes that manager's job at some point, and everybody in Cincinnati hates their manager uh, before long. And so I, I worry that it sort of tarnishes his reputation a little bit. I don't want to see that.
1: Hey, I, I last thing I want to see is Barry Larkin's legacy in Cincinnati tarnished at all. I agree with
0: you. Right, yeah. Uh, sacrifice to the altar of the Ross Ollendorfs of the world. We don't want to see that. Yeah. You know, my thoughts with Price, I had been saying for a while. I thought there was a chance the Reds bring him back, and, and my argument had been, what's the point of firing him? You know, he's not. Uh, you can argue with the, some of the moves he's made, and, and there's no question he's made some head scratching uh, decisions at, at times. But on the other hand, he's been put behind the eight ball from the very first day he took this job with injuries and with uh, you know Reds trading away everybody. It's not like he's had ever had a full roster of of team of a team that could really be expected to compete. Uh, and then also my argument has been, you know, what's, what's the point? You're going to talk somebody into coming in here and taking a team that may lose 90-some games again next year? Is somebody going to be eager, to, a good manager going to be eager to take that job? Why not let Price do it for one more year? He's not, you know, you offer him a one-year contract. Most managers don't like to work on one-year contracts, but what's he going to do? Refuse? He, he, he doesn't have any other managerial jobs waiting for him out there. Uh, you know, he takes it on, on the hope that he really turns the team around and he gets uh, you know another contract. Yeah, I think that things have only become more complicated on that question over the last few weeks as the Reds really have started playing better. I think he can make an argument. Hey, look, you know, I'm finally starting to get uh, you know a team that I can compete with, and look what we're doing. We're playing fun baseball. Uh, you know, I, I I think that the more that they play decent baseball, if they can play 500 the rest of the way. And I don't think that's out of the question. It's a different team. It's a different roster than the Reds had in the first half. I don't think it's unreasonable they could uh, play 500 baseball or, or slightly below the rest of the way, which means they'll have a winning record in the second half. And I think he's got a pretty good argument. You know, let me see this through. On the other hand, if the Reds really do feel like they can compete next year, they may want to go out and get that guy. They may be able to – you know feel like they can go out and get the guy that's going to lead us to the championship. Uh, so uh, there's there's some danger uh, with the Reds playing well uh, for uh, – it can be construed as being good for, for Price because it's demonstrating how well he's doing, but it also could uh, be dangerous for his job prospects if they feel like they really can't compete next year. My, here's my concern. Brian Price is Brian Price. We know what he is. In my mind, he's an average major league manager. Some, some ways he'll think outside the box. Most ways, no. Um, uh, you know the stuff we see on the field. He doesn't do any crazier things than almost any other manager. I'm afraid that if you fire him, you get Bob Boone. You know who knows who the next guy's going to be. I'm afraid a Delano De Shields is going to be a Bob Boone, Ray Knight, uh, or, or a Ray Knight or a Jerry Naren. I mean, you know, we've had some bad managers. Price is not uh, Sparky Anderson, but man, I'm scared to death to get one of these guys that we've all suffered through over the last you know 15 years. Uh, and, and so that, to me that's an argument in Price's favor oh gosh who are we going to get and I do not trust uh, Delano Shields. Uh, you know he's he sort of he goes by the book is the is the is the word on Delano Shields. and uh, I don't know that's uh, a, lot, a lot of different uh, arguments a lot of ways to look at it I do think that unless the team craters the rest of the way I think there's a pretty good chance Price comes back
1: well and I, and I think you could also make the case that the second you know, after the All Star break, Price has basically got the team he, they, they, at one point expected him to have at the start the season. Right, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, you know, he could say, well, you know, the first half, I can attribute to, you know, Homer and, and, and Discofani and Iglesias and, and everybody else that spent time on the DL. And once we got a little healthier, you know, we started playing better ball. You know, once I had some, some ammunition in the gun, you know, we, we played better ball. Um, you can't, you, you can't, you know, a man, there's only so much a manager can do. And he can't control the guys that are on the DL, you know. And when, when you got, at one point, what was it, four of the starting five that they've expected beginning, beginning the season were on the DL? Yeah. It's, it's kind of tough to be competitive that way because, you know, we talked about this at nauseum earlier in the year, but, you know, it moves everybody up. And, and you end up with guys pitching, you know, meaningful innings out of the bullpen that, we shouldn't be pitching meaningful innings in AAA.
0: I agree. Yeah. So you know, it's it's not cut and dried. I know when the Reds were on a pace to lose 111 games earlier this year, uh, no one thought uh, Price had a chance. But you know, I don't know. They're playing entertaining baseball right now, and uh, I guess Price. Let's,
1: uh, and let's enjoy that.
0: And let's let's enjoy that. Let's enjoy that.
1: A couple and guys. The managerial, the managerial questions will work themselves out after the season. They,
0: they will. I just you know I get really concerned. with <laughs> We're gonna get somebody worse. Maybe I shouldn't feel like that, but we've suffered through so many just miserable managers. They're gonna bring
1: Vern Rap
0: back. Oh, surely not Vern Rap. Bring Vern Rap, and then he can get not kicked out the door when uh, Pete Rose gets brought back to baseball and uh, takes over, just like uh, happened before. True. Right. Um, the couple guys on offense I want to talk about, but first I, I wanted to mention uh, Michael Lorenzen. Did you see this the other night? Friday I night? didn't see it, but I read about
1: it. I, I did not see the game.
0: It was just uh, this was Friday night. Uh, Michael Lorenzen had been on the bereavement list. Uh, his father passed away, had passed away a couple of days before, and he
1: was just coming back to the Reds. And um, apparently, it, uh, you know, his day, it, his day, something. I, I don't know the story, but it was unexpected for his father to pass away. Right. So it wasn't like a long-standing illness where it was kind of expected. So
0: yeah, and so he you know he gets back and he pitch he comes in and. Uh, I guess it was Ross Ollendorf who we mentioned far too many times today had uh, started to started to blow the game a little bit they had a, they had a significant lead but Kent uh, comes on with one out and two runners on and uh, you know retires two hitters comes in and then he's hitting the next inning and uh, evidently between innings after after he you know snuffed out that rally, he went back into the clubhouse into a bathroom and just sort of broke down. Um, just thinking about his dad, and just all the emotions of the week, and some of his teammates came back and were, you know, uh, sort of helping helping pick him up, uh, literally and figuratively. I think, because so he comes out to bat and hits a line drive home run to right center field, and the, the kid's crying as he touches home plate, points up to the points up to the sky, and uh, comes in the dugout, and you can tell that his teammates think a lot of him. Uh, the way they uh, reacted, and, and, and Votto mentioned talked about it a little bit after the game, just uh, how they were all feeling for him and really happy that he was able to, uh, you know, to do that for his dad, and uh, came out for a curtain call. It was a really it was an emotional moment. I wasn't at the park; I was watching on television, but a really emotional moment and something I don't think I'm ever gonna gonna soon forget uh, for a, for a kid that's uh, got a boatload of talent. But man, he was struggling. Uh, he was struggling that night too, and uh, T- tough time for him, but a really, really interesting moment. Um, and we got the video of that at, uh, at Red Lake Nation, if you want to go t- check that out.
1: Now – Our prayers are with the Lorenzen family. Absolutely.
0: Uh, so tough. Um, and, you know, Joey mentioned – Joey mentioned in his, in his post-game interview that uh, he'd he gone through that. Joey Votto, if you remember his second year, I think, uh, his father passed away, and he really, really had a tough time with it. And uh, so, he, so he understands, and we can all uh, – sort of feel for him uh, what he's going through at this time.
1: And and he did raise his with that home run he raised his OPS plus to 210. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we may be looking at a future right fielder.
0: Well, you know, he played center field in college. I know he did. <laughs> so, you know, who knows? Uh, he put a good swing on that ball. He really did. Um, not sure He could much- be a reverse
1: Mel Queen.
0: <laughs> a reverse Mel
1: Queen, really? He went from an outfielder to a pitcher. He could go from a pitcher to an outfielder. <laughs> All right, excellent. Um, you, 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 you've never heard of Mel Queen? I've heard
0: of Mel Queen, but I can't say that I'm uh, a fully paid member of the Mel Queen fan club, so I'm not up on his entire uh, biography.
1: But, You're so young. Uh, You're so young. Uh, yeah,
0: well, it's been a long <laughs> time since somebody told me that, but I appreciate it. Uh, uh, maybe more of a, uh, an, a a Micah Owens that can pitch, if you remember Micah Owens. Yeah, years I remember days.
1: Micah Owens. Uh, who, could, uh, who, who was the other outfielder, the one that used to kill the Reds, played for the Cardinals, was a pitcher and became an, and became an outfielder? Oh, uh, kill? Rick and Yeah, that's who I'm thinking of, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, all so right. I well, let's, let's I a...
1: remember guys from the 60s. I just can't remember the guys from the, <laughs> from the 2000s and the 90s.
0: Let's hope Lorenzen doesn't flame out like Ankeel, because uh, he was a really highly touted pitching prospect who just uh, lost his lost his mind.
1: Um, he's a still guys. a baby though; he's only twenty four. So
0: yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I hope that the Reds uh, give him another shot at being a starting pitcher next year with the kind of stuff he has. So, yeah, we,
1: and we've talked about that in the past. You know. I, <laughs> First round draft picks that end up in the bullpen are not successful first round draft picks.
0: I agree. Even if they're even if they're great relief pitchers, uh, well, you know, I guess you can maybe make an argument, but um, on the offensive side of the ball, what we, I, I feel like we would be remiss. We talk about him every time, I think, but man, if we don't talk about Joey Votto and what this guy has been able to do, uh, you know, since the All Star break, certainly, <clears throat> excuse me, but since the All Star break, he's hit in every game except for one. His batting average is four fifty five uh you know since june 1st he's hitting in 377 he's got his average up over what is it uh, as of today i've meant to pull it up there as of today's batting average is uh, for people who, who care about those things 307 on may 31st it was 213 i mean uh I, yeah i wrote a piece go ahead
1: Leading the league and and on base percentage which is no big surprise since he's done it Right, not counting this year, before the last six years.
0: Yeah, this would be his uh, fifth time in seven years, um, and, and his current on-base percentage, which is uh, now, let me see if I can pull 433. it Four thirty-three. Four thirty-three ranks in the top ten in the of uh, single season on-base percentages in the history of the Reds. It, it's, not, it's you know it's not one of his best ones, uh, but it's ranks in the top ten among all Reds ever for a single season on-base percentage. Yeah, you know, I wrote a piece for Cincinnati Magazine uh, this week basically saying i i don't think people are really cherishing what we have we have the opportunity to watch every day this is a special hitter and i think he's a guy who has a chance I, i'm going to say this has a chance to be the best reds hitter of all time by the time he's done
1: i think he's on a hall of fame trajectory I, assuming he stays healthy and stays as productive as he as he has been i mean this is his 10th year in the in the bigs and You know, you look at his, you know, he's got a 156
0: OPS plus. I mean, yeah, not showing many signs of slowing down yet. He will, but. (laughs) And his career OPS plus is uh, the highest in Reds history ahead of uh, second place Frank Robinson. Um, Just strict OPS, he's got the highest ahead of Frank Robinson. And and, uh, guess who's third in uh, all time uh, OPS, Reds history? Number three on the list Adam Dunn.
1: I was going to say without looking I would guess that I'm done. I mean, yeah. I am to cheat cheating look, but um, all he uh, did
0: was hit home runs and get on base. That's right. And he struck out once or twice. Um, uh, yeah, but I I was talking,
1: I was being positive. Thank yeah.
0: you, man. Now, you're always the positive one I'm the negative one, yeah, right? That's- <laughs> <laughs> uh, Larkin or Larkin, um Votto is first in the history of the Reds in career on-base percentage. Um, and what's his, as of this morning is career on-base percentage uh I don't know what it is. I'll have to pull it up here. It was four twenty four when I looked it up, and second, so, is that what it is? Four twenty four career. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And second on the Reds all time on base percentage list is uh, no. It won't surprise anyone, but it's Joe Morgan at four fifteen. So a little bit of a, a, little bit of a gap between uh, Morgan and, and Votto. Third place is Frank Robinson at three eighty nine. So really, you know, Votto's what are we. 35 point, uh base percentage points ahead of third place. Um, it's just it's it's crazy. Uh, to see, we'll see what he's done. Now he is going to slow down some and, and his, those numbers may drop as he ages. But man what we're watching right now his pri- he's still in his prime and it's still fun to watch. This guy just I've ne- I've no, I have have i do not know that I've ever seen a hitter like him. Is he the best player in Red's history? No, he's not going to be the best player. He may be the best uh, hitter. He's not going to be the you know you think about guys like uh, Morgan and, and Lark Larkin and all these guys. Uh, okay, Votto's not going to, uh, he ha- has won one gold glove, but uh, he's not going to light up the defensive uh, metrics.
1: And that was—and and he shouldn't have won that.
0: No, no, he shouldn't have won that one. Then. But just the chance to watch this guy every single day, I, I try not to take my eyes from the screen whenever he's batting and, and I'm able to watch because, you know, he's just, hes we're not going to get to watch this forever. I'm, I'm trying to enjoy it now.
1: Yeah, I, I saw you also posted something about Votto on the, on the site last week, and I saw one of the comments said that, you know, he only hits when the Reds are out of it, you know. And I went back and pulled up the – I looked at his splits. And I said, well, maybe this guy's got – well, he is better in the second half. You know, in the first half, his OPS is only 926. Oh, is that all? In the second <laughs> half, it's it's 1,002. <laughs> yeah, he, you only, know, he only hits when it doesn't count. Yeah, I mean his worst his worst month is May or is April. You know, March and April. His OPS is only nine thirty one. Actually, that's not true. June it's nine nineteen. Yeah, that's crazy. You know? But he doesn't ha- he doesn't have a career OPS month below nine hundred.
0: Isn't that insane? I mean, that's just <laughs> that's it's crazy. Most players that's their career month.
1: Yeah, getting over nine hundred. Okay. He you know. These splits are interesting. I mean, they've got, you know, you're hitting him. His OPS in the Reds' losses is 839, so he's the reason they lose because, you know, his OPS is like 839 when they lose.
0: He is. He is. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, someone posted at, uh, I can't remember who. um, I'm trying to pull it up here. It was uh, Steve Mancuso from uh, Red League Nation. He posted a, a comment to that same post you're talking about. Here's the question. Which hitter? Tony Perez or Joey Votto has a higher batting average with runners in scoring position. I mean, obviously, since we know who we're talking about, you know what the answer is to that. But don't you think the average Reds fan would say, it's clearly Tony Perez. Perez was a clutch hitter. Yeah. Uh, and Perez was good in the clutch. Perez's uh, uh, batting average in the clutch or with, with runners in scoring position was two hundred eighty four. Joey Votto's is three twenty eight. Uh, and, and somebody else in that thread, I'm going to find it uh, now,
1: posted the difference. Which means that he hits better with runners in scoring position than he does regularly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Which kind of, you know, those people that say there aren't clutch, you know, it, it kind of hits that argument a little bit. Yeah,
0: maybe we should start the argument that Votto is the most clutch hitter in Reds history. Yeah. Uh, It'd be hard to argue with
1: looking
0: at the numbers. It would. Another commenter, uh, Chuck Schick, is his name. He uh, he posted that for his career, Tony Perez drove in eighteen percent of the runners that were on base, and Joey Votto was driven in seventeen percent of the runners on base. But it's very close. Uh, but the difference was, and, and we're going to get a little bit deep into the weeds here. Was Perez averaged point six eight five runners per plate appearances? So he averaged uh, his average plate appearance. You know. .685 runners per plate appearances appearance probably, is probably one of the highest anyone ever. Votto's average .569. So over the course of a season, what that means is Perez had roughly 70 more runners to drive in than Votto
1: has on an average season. So yeah, Perez had some pretty good guys sitting in front of him.
0: Right, yeah. So, <laughs> and, and, and that's not a knock on Perez. Perez was a great player. But, you know, when you got Joe Morgan and King Griffey and Pete Rose sitting in front of you, That's a little bit different than having you know Zach Cozart and and I love Billy Hamilton, but his on base percentage is only recently creeping up and uh, and earlier in in Votto's career, guys like uh, I think he had Corey Patterson hitting in front of him. So, um,
1: you can't drive men if they ain't on the base, right? So that's my word of wisdom today.
0: Oh man, let me write that down. Uh, You can't drive them in if they're not on base. (laughs) Uh, So there are criticisms that you can make of Votto's defense, perhaps, Um, but man. And I think there are criticisms you can make of Joey Votto's base running. And criticisms of Joey Votto's base running, if you want to criticize him for that. But it's similar to what we said about Adam Dunn, which is that uh, at some point I got really frustrated that Reds fans wanted to focus so much on what Dunn didn't do well that they ignored how incredible he was at other certain things, you know, that things that really helped the team win. And uh, with Votto, I don't know that anybody's necessarily focusing on, uh, on the, the base running and the defense as a reason to criticize him. I'm baffled as to uh, – I know why he's getting the criticism, but uh, he takes too many walks. Whatever. This guy is an historically elite hitter for this organization. You're never going to see another guy like him in your lifetime probably, another hitter like him in a red uniform. Maybe we will. I hope we do.
1: Uh, but but I would like to see a number computed, and I wouldn't even know how to go about doing this, is number of outs per plate appearance or per 10 plate appearances or whatever. And I would be willing to bet you that Joey Votto is number one in most effective plate appearances. And I guess that goes to on-base percentage. Uh, it's kind of an inverse, I guess. But, you know, you, you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I, it, it, it is sort he, of the flip side. Of... nearly the number of outs that Brandon Phillips makes. Right, yeah. Who's, who's historically leads the Reds every year in number of outs made.
0: Right, yeah. That dude DP. Uh, yeah, it's basically the inverse of on-base percentage. Yeah. Um, and and so Votto per plate appearance, I mean, uh, I'd say it's by a wide margin has made fewer outs per plate appearance than than really anyone in Reds history. Yep. And that's a, <laughs> do you realize what we're saying here? This is you know, I don't think people really respect where he stands in Reds history, and uh, and and he's getting he gets criticism from largely from uh, let, let's let's be honest, it comes from the the radio booth. Um. Because he takes too many walks. And I just, I'm baffled by it. I'm baffled by it. Did Joe Morgan get that criticism? No. You know, um, in, in a lot of ways, as hitters, their, their numbers look somewhat similar, Votto and, and Morgan's. Um, I don't know. I don't get it. He's just, I'm, I'm, I love watching Votto play. I am a, uh, I'm sort of a fanboy. Uh, I will ignore his defense and his uh, base running a little bit. Although I'll acknowledge that uh, he's no uh, he's no Billy Hamilton when it comes to those two. But uh, what a, what a year he's having!
1: Any other thoughts? Well, Go ahead. The the only other thing I would say is when we're looking at these these leaders on um, on um, the Reds, especially the the batting leaders, yeah, you can you can kind of look at the single season leaders and say, wow, they had a good year. But you look at these career leaders. If you're on the top ten of a team. Like this, it's been around as long as the Cincinnati Reds in any of these career offensive categories. You were a pretty damn good ball player. Uh,
0: that that's what I'm saying exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Reds. I mean, of- even
1: even uh, you know, I'm looking at the offensive WAR list on 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 Baseball Reference, and it, I mean it's a who's who. I mean over the last, you get down to, to number seven anyway. Uh, Rose, Larkin, Bench, Robinson, Morgan, Pinson, and Perez Votto. I mean, then you get to Ed Roush and Bid McPhee, which are both Hall of Famers. Yeah, the only one, only one ever ever ones on that has, list that are not... has Hall of Fame credentials, and, and you could even make the argument for Veda Pence.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're not talking about comparing him to the best player that played you know in the last three years for the Reds. It's it's the the long history of this franchise and some of the not just the best Reds ever, but some of the greatest baseball players. Uh, you know, just the greatest stuff uh, for any team, some legends, and uh, he's in. You know, he's in that conversation.
1: Well, and, and, and I'm looking at like this offensive WAR list. Joey's at forty three point two on here with with fifty two hundred and sixty five plate appearances. The only guy that's got less plate appearances than Joey on that list is Joe Morgan, who had forty nine hundred seventy three and had fifty six point four WAR. But Joey was, or Joe was also a better defensive player than, than Joey. Well, that's only offensive numbers. But you know, Morgan won the MVP twice and was in the hunt number of other years. He, in '75 in and '76, Morgan was the best player I ever saw.
0: Okay, Bill, I will concede that Joey Votto is not, uh, maybe not, has not had as good a career as the second best second baseman in the history of baseball. In the history of the game, <laughs> you know, yeah. right? One First, of the inner, an inner circle Hall of Famer. He's, I, I'll concede, he's not done that yep. yet.
1: And know, is tied in war with Perez right now with with twenty four hundred less plate appearances.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, when, when you start thinking about it in that context, it's really uh, really stark in terms of what his reputation should be and what, and what it is. And maybe I'm making too much out of that, but this is a guy that yeah, it's this is all, obviously all presuming that he is able to remain healthy throughout most of the rest of his uh, his career. Right, but you, you got to think that. His skills should age fairly well. His his decline may not be as, as stark as a guy like Brandon Phillips uh, has been. Um, just because of what his skills are in terms of understanding the plate, uh, understanding the strike zone, and um, changing his approach in different spots, you would hope that uh, he's age 32 now and he's not showing any signs of slowing down. So you'd hope that his his uh, downward decline would be maybe not as uh, as steep as some are. So if he can remain healthy. I mean, the guy's on a Hall of Fame track, isn't he?
1: Oh yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, one, two, three, four, four MVP top tens in ten years. Uh, I think he might be in a top. He might be a top tener again this year, maybe. Uh, you know, he's won one MVP, won a Golden Glove, uh, four-time All Star, came in second Rookie of the Year. You know, it's tough to argue with. Yeah,
0: he's checking all those boxes that you you would think of to see yeah. in,
1: a, in a Hall of Fame game. And, and, and the reason that he doesn't get the respect here that he does, deserves is is the contract. Uh,
0: you're you're right. Which brings me to something else. Uh, everyone needs to go out and pick up the latest issue of Cincinnati Magazine because in the in the magazine, um, it's actually one of the stories mentioned on the cover. But uh, I have a piece that I wrote is whether Joey Votto is worth is going to be end up being worth his contract, what he's being paid. And I came to the conclusion that yes, because if you had uh, – Votto made $14 million last year. His, his contract bumped up this year, but he made $14 million last year. If you had to go out and pay on the open market what – the, the production he provided last year, you would have had to pay $60 million. Uh, you had to spend $60 million to get back the production. That's what, that, that's what his value was on the open free agent market last year. So he's building up such a big, uh, you know, the Reds. He's been so underpaid early in this contract that, as long as he just doesn't, uh, you know, have to retire in three years because of injury, he's going to be worth the money. But now that, you're right, though. That's not the way people see it. They see that big contract.
1: Well, and he's, you know, while he is building up equity, when you sign those big contracts, you bet you better be over overvalued for the beginning years of those contracts. Because very rarely are you are you meeting the value at the back end.
0: Right. Um, yeah, you know, but he's he's just. Uh, let's see, I see. I wish I had it with me here. I can't remember. He's like the eighth highest paid first baseman this year, even though the salary bumped up. So it's not like he's, and that's only gonna, a, that's only going to drop this
1: year. He's a twenty million, I believe, this year.
0: Yeah, um, and I think the highest he's going to get is twenty five million uh, at one point in his contract. Uh, but you know, by the time he's making twenty five million, he's liable to be in the bottom half of first baseman contracts. The way the way those things keep getting bumped up and up and up, and especially with all the TV money that's still getting flooded into into the game. So, I, you know, I, yes, I understand the average Joe that works works hard nine to five and comes home and cracks open a beer and sees him making an error at first base. Uh, you know, what's that guy doing making twenty million dollars a year? That's that's a what a waste of money. Or, or runners on base and he takes a walk. Ah, come on, you're paid twenty million dollars to drive that run in. Uh, yeah, I guess I can understand that, uh, but I think that's just, I think it's crazy. I think he's worth every penny they pay. I think he's worth more than what they've paid him uh, since he signed the contract. Uh, we just got to hope that he's not way, way, way overpaid at the end. And then there's a chance, there's always a chance, he's going to be 42 at the end of his contract. That's awfully old.
1: Yeah, he's got another, what, nine years, I guess, or ten years on the contract. Um, you know, the other thing is, you know, and, and I think that's part of the problem, and, and I'm sure you have the same discussion with with your friends that are baseball fans that I do, and they, and they don't understand that you know your job isn't to take the take that walk, your job is to drive that run in. No, your job is not to make outs.
0: Don't make an out. Yes. If you don't make an out. You've done your job. <laughs> you know, it shouldn't be that and, difficult. I mean, that's that's what baseball it, is it, about.
1: How many times have you had that argument?
0: Oh, to, far too many. Although you're presuming that I'm arguing with friends, I, you know I don't have any friends but <laughs> that's exactly exactly uh yeah i mean that's you have 27 out, it's, it's really not that difficult you got 27 outs in a game you've got to extend those as long as you can you know use them as wisely as you can and uh the more people that don't make outs the more people more runs are going to score and it just it it baffles me that i mean there are things to you can criticize Votto for i've been trying to say is defense you said his base running yeah those are legitimate criticisms you cannot criticize Joey Votto about anything to do with hitting. I'm just telling you. Uh, that's not going to stop anybody from doing it. But uh, he, at, at this point, with what he's accomplished and the way he do, plays at the plate, you just you can't criticize him or what he's doing because he's, uh, he knows what he's doing. He knows more about hitting than I'll ever know.
1: Well, he, he's definitely the best hit Reds hitter since Joe Morgan. Uh, and he may be the Reds' best hitter of all time.
0: Even just saying, best since Joe Morgan. You talk about high praise, and a lot of our listeners won't remember seeing Joe Morgan play, and I barely remember him. But go look at Joe Morgan's stats. Sometimes people, this guy was, uh, you know, a little tiny second baseman, but a middle of the order hitter in uh, one of the best lineups ever. Uh, MVP, just uh, could do everything, just everything.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, 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 there's no doubt, and I I would say that Joe Morgan is the Reds' best all best. All-around player of of all time.
0: Yeah, I think I, I think I buy that absolutely. Yeah, uh,
1: you, I think you could you could make the argument Frank Robinson. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think you I think there's you know a handful, of, and, and I'm not even going into the old timers that I don't know enough about to talk about. Um, but and I think we talked a little bit about Morgan the last time that last time we were we were on and, and at age forty. Joe played 116 games for the A's. He only hit 244 but he hit a 356 on base percentage <laughs> at age his 40. OPS, his OPS plus was 104 at age
0: 40. an above average hitter at
1: age, at age 40.
0: That's yeah. I'll
1: take that out of Joey Votto in the last couple of years of his contract.
0: Yeah, and that may be what we see. Actually, uh, uh, let's hope that's he goes on the Joe Morgan aging curve. So,
1: and the year before that, when Morgan at, at the age of 39. His his on base percentage was three seventy when he played one hundred twenty three games for the Philly. Wow, o- OPS plus of one hundred sixteen.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was he was uh, to the very end. Um, I guess that's why he's considered by many to be the best second baseman of, of all time. And and I think you're right. I think if and we may ha- we may need to have that uh, discussion sometime on the podcast. Uh, best best read of all time, but I I probably. Probably lean towards Morgan as well. He's got the got the best case.
1: It would be hard to argue with. It I was. mean, I, you could make the case for some others, but it would be very hard to. I'm just looking at, it, and like you said, everybody should go out and look at Joe Morgan's numbers. His career low OPS plus when he played any amount of you know any real amount of games was 105, 104 when he was 40, and then 105 and 78 with the Reds at 34. That's his worst.
0: <laughs> That's amazing.
1: <laughs> and and so he was ever below average, ever.
0: Gosh, what a what a steal that trade ended up being. Not a popular trade when they traded for him originally, uh, trading away uh, Lee May, the big bopper. And yeah, uh, and, and Lee, uh, Lee May was the
1: big was the big guy. He was very popular in town. I remember the trade. I'm, I'm old enough to remember that. And and I don't think I think I don't remember it being as unpopular as. Is the media or the or the the story goes now? Now I, I was young at the time. I was only what was I fourteen uh, at the time, but I don't remember it being as unpopular. Uh, I think you know they they realized after the seventy one season collapse that they they needed to make some changes. Um, and, and they saw in in, in the uh, in the seventy World Series that good pitching beats good hitting. So they went out and got Billingham, and they got you know blah blah blah. Uh, and May, but May wasn't a very popular player, and Helms was a popular player. In town. Yeah. Um. Uh, but you know, and Morgan was coming off you know not a real great year in, in, in Houston. Uh, he was you know he was uh, well actually yes it was I take that back I'm looking at it now it's 117 OPS plus. Uh, 351 on base percentage hit, led the league in triples stole 40 out of 48 that's the other thing but you know people don't remember how good a base stealer Joe was
0: he was good at everything but,
1: but, he, but he never stole But ba- and, he, and, he, and he, he didn't get thrown out much yeah uh, It's the most he ever st- the most bases he ever stole was 67 and 75 because thrown out ten times that's pretty good 132 he, walks led the league
0: man that's the difference you know that's what I, I said uh, last week if Billy Hamilton could get on base at the, the clip that Joe Morgan gets on base Lily Hamilton would still 200 bases he just you know he may still hundred bases next year um, but if he could get on if he could get a you know 430 on, on base percentage one of those on base percentages that uh, Morgan had during the big red machine years, right there, 75, 76, those MVP years. Billy Hampton was still 200 bases. Um, well, we, we need to sort of uh, start working to a close here, and there's one more uh, subject that uh, I wanted to talk about, and and you mentioned uh, Tommy Helms a moment ago, and that sort of leads us right into what we're going to talk about, which is the Reds Hall of Fame quickly. And and uh, well, you sent me a couple of emails earlier this week. Why don't you, why don't you talk about that?
1: Well, I was just poking around one day, and, and I was looking at the Reds Hall of Fame and looking at guys that were in and guys that weren't in. And, and a guy jumped in my mind that, that, that Chad and I have talked about in the past, and, and I noticed that he wasn't in the Reds Hall of Fame. So I, I cranked his numbers up, and I looked at his numbers, and I looked at compared to two guys, a couple of guys that were in, and I'm going. And I said And I said basically, I think I said was well, why the hell isn't Reggie Sanders in the Reds Hall of Fame? And we don't really have an answer for that. And look at his numbers compared to. Uh, and the two names that popped into my head were Chris Sabo and Sean Casey. And they both were. They were all with the Reds approximately the same amount of time. And if anything, Sanders' numbers are better than either ones. And played a more difficult. Well, he probably didn't play a more difficult defensive position than Sabo, but uh, definitely played a more difficult difficult position than, than uh, Sean Casey. Uh, you know, I, and and I looked at when I looked at Sanders' numbers, I'll admit I was surprised that they were as good as they were. Um, you know, just working off the of memory, I never would have thought he had a, a career OPS plus for the Reds of 118. 271, 353, 476 guy. You know, an an OPS with the Reds of 829. Hit 125 home runs. He stole 158 bases for the Reds. Yeah, I mean that—that's a good career. He was, you know, he was fourth in the Rookie of the Year, uh, sixth in the MVP in in '95. Uh, I mean, we all know about the terrible series that he had, and I think that was '95, if I remember right, against the Braves. Yeah.
0: Right. That, or, that, yeah. Go or, ahead.
1: He was two for sixteen in the series, and he struck out ten times in sixteen at bats. Um, but you know, and I think that's jaded a lot of people towards Reggie Sanders. But it, he's he's one of the names that immediately come to my mind when, when when I look and wonder why certain guys aren't in the Reds Hall of Fame.
0: To me, he's clearly the guy that deserves to be in it. And, and you, dear listener, I want you to think back when, uh, when Bill just mentioned Reggie Sanders' name a moment ago. I guarantee seventy-five percent of you—the first thing you thought was, "Man, he struck out a lot in that nineteen-ninety-five playoff series." Uh, that's what everyone says whenever I bring up Reggie Sanders. That's the first thing that uh, people want to say. Okay, yes, he did. He had a bad playoff series, but that same year, he he had a six-point-six WAR season, six-point-six wins above replacement. I mean, that's a, you know, that, that's a Incredible for his career, he had Reds career. He had almost forty uh, wins above replacement his whole career, which is a very good career. Twenty one point four as as a Red. Um, to me, he's far and away the most deserving uh, Reds Hall of Fame candidate. That's not in. You know, I look at a guy that got in a couple years ago, uh, and you know, I like this guy growing up. Uh, you know, he was a local Cincinnati kid who played for the Reds his whole career. But Ron Oster's in. Uh, you know, Ron Oster. Well, Ron Oster accumulated just under 11 wins above replacement uh, over his career. Um, his his OPS plus 87 for his career. I mean, uh, come on, you know, Oster was. Uh, I liked Oster, and he was a hard nosed guy, and he, you know, he loved being a Red, and he was a member of that 1990 World Series team. And he's low. Right? Yeah. I mean, and, and he was he was inducted the same year, I think, as Junior and Dave Parker, as sort of a local a local year, you know, but. Uh, uh, Even guys like uh, I'm going way back for a guy named uh, Rube Bressler, played uh, in the teens and twenties for the Reds. Uh, His career numbers don't come anywhere close to what uh, Sanders are. Uh, You mentioned Sabo, and you mentioned uh, Casey, and it just it's it's it can't just be because of that ninety five series, can it? Because you know he had he had a really good. What nine year, eight year Reds career? Uh, middle of the lineup hitter. Uh, he was hurt a lot in the two seasons after that 90, brutal '95 uh, series, and um, I actually, I guess there were three. But then he came back and had a really good, uh, not a really good year, but a decent year uh, at age thirty. Um, I I think that uh, you and I are both uh, big fans of uh, what the Reds Hall of Fame does, and, and I think it's the best. I don't think any team can can match what they do. But uh, insofar as anyone not being in a team Hall of Fame can be an injustice, I think it's an injustice that Reggie Sanders is not in the Reds Hall of Fame.
1: I don't disagree. Uh, what did you say his war was with the, with the Reds? Twenty.
0: Let's see, 21.4 for his uh, eight-year career with the Reds.
1: Uh, I'm looking at another Reds Hall of Famer, Gus Bell. Uh, Gus's uh, war with the Reds in nine seasons. Was thirteen.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, and and I would argue that Gus Bell should be a Reds Hall of Famer. Uh, but I just think it becomes very clear that uh, that Reggie Sanders should. And, and I I'm, I got to find out when the voting, when all that's going to take place, because I think we're going to have to make a big push at Redleg Nation
1: to get Reggie Sanders. Uh, I, I I think he's a, a candidate that that should be in there. And, and we've talked about another guy that we think should be in there. Who was one of our interviewees a couple years ago it was Freddie Norman.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Norman wasn't. You, know, you look
1: at his, you look at his numbers as a red compared to some uh, some guys that are in the Reds Hall of Fame, and it's. It, I, I think there was an injustice. There's been an injustice done there also. I, I, I should say injustice. That's not the right word. I, I don't know that it's an injustice. I think it, it's an injustice or an oversight.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, oversight maybe be a better fame. term. Yeah. Uh, but you know. Uh, we probably shouldn't care about it as much as we do but the reds do a good job with that uh with that hall of fame. And...
1: Reds hall of fame is phenomenal. I was just like I, said, I was just in Milwaukee. They don't have they have a little area in their in their in their and I don't remember what it's called where they have their their hall of fame and it's just a little area in the concourse. It's yeah. nothing like what the Reds have. Yeah,
0: I I know. It's just uh I don't think people understand uh, how what a good a a job. Uh, the Reds have done, and of course, we talked with uh, in one of our early, early podcasts, maybe like the second or third episode. We talked with Greg Rhodes, if you remember, when he was still the managing director of the yeah. Hall of Fame, and he helped get it get it going. And uh, just got a lot of respect for what they what they do. And uh, every year, uh, you know, it's it's there's something new to go look at every year. Um, and, and what they've done, you know, we talk about uh, Votto being among the great hitters in the history of this franchise. What they've done that I like because I'm I'm, I'm one of these guys that really has a um a love for the history of this franchise is they do a really good job of, of honoring the former stars of this club. And, and, and they bring as many of them back as can come back every year for, for, you know, celebrations and galas and signings. And it just really, uh, they do it right as far as I'm concerned. And that's something that, the Bob Castellini, when he took back over really, really wanted to focus on. Um, and I think they do a, f- a phenomenal job there. I just wish they could win more on the field, uh, these days.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I, and, if you live locally like I do, and I don't get to the Reds Hall of Fame as much as I should, but if you come in from out of town, carve out some time to go to the Reds Hall of Fame, you will not be disappointed.
0: Absolutely, we will not be disappointed. It's uh, it's fun every single time. They do a great
1: job. All if right. you go. to the- if you go to the Reds Hall of Fame and you don't enjoy it, Chad will give you your money
0: back. <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's clearly way past time to wrap this one up, Bill.
1: <laughs> Any final thoughts? No, let's just hope they can continue to play as well as they've been playing, and, 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 and you know, try kind of get the dirt of the first half of the season out of people's mouths.
0: Yeah, because they, they are—they're fun to watch at this time. I want to thank everybody for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, for downloading us. You've got a lot of things you could be doing. You chose to download and listen to us to, uh, ramble on about the Reds a little bit. We appreciate it. We enjoy talking about this team, whether they're winning or they're losing, but they're a lot more fun when they're winning like now. Uh, go to RedLegNation.com every day to uh, for news, analysis, coverage of the Reds. You can also find the links there to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can also go to iTunes, search for Red Leg Nation Radio. And uh, if you do that, uh, it really means a lot to us if you'd – Leave a rating, leave a review. The more uh, the more ratings, more reviews we get. Assuming they're positive reviews, help us move up in the uh, in the rankings. Which is really, I don't care about the rankings. I don't even know where we rank, but it helps people find us. And uh, we're, our subscriber numbers are growing every week. And it's been uh, it's been gratifying to hear from a lot of you that you listen to the podcast and that you enjoy it. So so do that. Tell your friends about us if you like us. As I always, say if you don't like us. Number one, why do you, why do you keep downloading us? Number two, just uh, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> you can follow uh, me at Dotson C on uh, Twitter. I'm going to give you Bill's uh, Twitter handle, but we got to get him back uh, more active, at BillRedLegN. Follow Red Leg Nation at Red Leg Nation on Twitter, on Instagram, on Snapchat, wherever you are, we're there. Uh, Bill, once again, appreciate you joining us, buddy. Always enjoy it, my friend. Always fun. For Bill Lack, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone.